The time of the Pshemus leads was coming to an end. For 27 years, Václav II continued the work of his father and his grandfather, greatly expanding the power and influence of the throne of Bohemia. This despite the fact that he sort of became king when he was six years old and spent a good deal of his childhood imprisoned. But then his son, Václav III, sort of dropped the ball. And so we come to the end of the line, Václavs II and III, Henry of Carinthia, and Rudolf I. We'll also talk about John the Blind of Luxembourg, the first of the Luxembourgers, who was king from 1310 to 1346 and the father of Charles IV. A city is much more than just a collection of buildings. It's a location, it's a history, it's a culture, it's ideas and ideals, and a city is also, most importantly, the people in it. This is Prague Times, the podcast that takes a look at the city of Prague in the Czech Republic. With more than a thousand years of history, there's a lot to talk about. We'll talk about the past of Prague, but we'll also talk about the city as it is today, future plans for the city, and much more. It's Prague then, Prague now, and Prague later. And this is Prague Times. Václav II, 1278 to 1305 CE. Only six years old, Václav succeeded his father, Ottokar II. Because he was way too young to actually rule, the day-to-day was handled by Otto V, who was Margrave of Brandenburg and Ottokar's nephew. Otto dealt with the six-year-old heir by imprisoning him in several different prisons outside of Bohemia for six years. Nice guy. Ottokar's widow and Václav's mother, Kunigunda of Slovenia, was constantly causing problems for Otto, who had to keep fending off her schemes. Her family had hailed from Ukraine, though she was probably born in Ruthenia along the Slovak border in what today is the Ukraine. Interestingly, it's also where Andy Warhol's family is from. She and Otto wrangled for control of the land around Prague, while Moravia was firmly in the hands of Rudolf I of Germany. After six years of bouncing around various prisons, Václav returned home, but he was still too young to rule. His mother ended up marrying Zavish of Falkenstein, the head of the powerful Witkovsi clan in southern Bohemia that had caused her first husband so much trouble, and Zavish pretty much took over rule of Bohemia. So he was rewarded for his patience. The next year, Václav turned 13, and he married Rudolf's daughter Judith of Habsburg. They'd been promised to each other by their families for nine years. She was also 13, and now Moravia fell back under his control. In 1290, Václav, now 19-year-olds, had his father-in-law, Zavish of Falkenstein, beheaded for treason at Hlubaka Castle. He then basically took over the reins of power, though he wouldn't actually get a coronation until later. In 1291, the High Duke of Poland gave the title of the Duchy of Krakow to Václav, but kept other lands and then became king of the rest of Poland four years later. So Václav got to add Krakow to his holdings. In June 1297, Václav and his wife Judith finally were officially crowned. She just had their 10th child, a stillborn daughter, and was not in good health. A few weeks later, she died at the ripe old age of 26. Of all those 10 children, only four of them would live to become adults. (laughs) 
1298, large deposits of silver had been found in the bohemian town of Kutna Hora, about 60 kilometers east of Prague. Václav put the mine under royal monopoly and began issuing a coin called the Prague Groschen. The Groschen was a thick coin used throughout the Holy Roman Empire, but different states issued their own different versions. Václav asked an Italian lawyer, Gozius of Orvieto, to come up with a mining code, which was known as the Lus Montale Montanorum, reforming earlier laws and practices, ensuring work safety, regulating workers' pay, setting working hours and rules, prohibiting miners and blacksmiths from creating associations so that they could gain a monopoly from source to sale. This was quite progressive and soon became a model for similar laws throughout Europe until the Austrian Mining Code of 1854. Gozius was installed in a very large building overlooking a small valley in Kutnohora, which even today is known as the Vlaschski Dvor, or the Italian Court. Because of these reforms and the large amount of high-quality silver coming out of the Kutnohora mines, about 20 tons a year for 40 years, the Prague Groschen soon became the de facto common currency of the Holy Roman Empire, and because most of Europe entered an economic depression in 1300 that would last for 150 years and throw Germany, the seat of the Holy Roman Empire, into a political chaos, and the Prague Groschen was a reliable, stable currency during this time of uncertainty. When the King of Poland died, also in 1300, he passed that crown on to Václav as well. So he didn't just have the Duchy of Krakow, he was now also King of Poland. Václav had become engaged to the previous king's daughter, Elizabeth Urcheza, but she was only 11 years old. <clears throat> so Václav said that they would wait until she was 15 before they actually married. He was crowned King of Poland on July 25th, 1300. Next year... In 1301, King Andrew III of Hungary died, the last male in his line, and Václav, who was a distant relative, had his son, also imaginatively named Václav, engaged to Andrew's daughter Elizabeth, another Elizabeth. So both Václavs were engaged to really young women named Elizabeth. Son Václav, who would later become Václav III, became King of Hungary in 1301. At this time, this was just one of several territories in the Kingdom of Hungary, and there were quite a few counterclaims for this land or that bit, and, and young Václav was under political siege that eventually heated up and became military. In 1304, Father Václav, the king, led an army to Budapest, but the odds were not really in his favor and he thought he was going to lose, so he grabbed his son and the crown of Hungary, the actual crown, and fled back to Bohemia, leaving the Hungarian lord Ivan Kosegi as his son's proxy in Hungary. The previous year, Václav had married his Elizabeth, and in 1305, when she was 17, she gave birth to a daughter named Agnes. This is a year after he grabbed his son away from Hungary. Six days later, Václav II died of tuberculosis, age 33. Václav II did what a good king should do. He left his kingdom stronger than it had been when he got it. Poland and Hungary were now tied to Bohemia. Silver was flowing out of Kutnohora and Jihlava. They had the strongest currency in Europe under Bohemia's control. He founded the city of Pilsen in 1295. And he'd even planned to build the first university in Central Europe, but those plans never really got off the ground. 
The mechanical clock had also been invented during his reign, first in England and then later in Germany. So the times were very exciting. His 16-year-old son, Václav III, who'd been spirited away from Hungary, inherited all of this. But an awful lot of people wanted a piece of that pie, or maybe even the whole pie. And while he kind of gave it the old college try, he would remain on the throne only for a year. Václav III, 1305 to 1306. Well, he'd already been king of Hungary, which incidentally also included Croatia. Then he became king of Bohemia. He'd inherited the crown of Poland. So he had three kingdoms really to deal with. But a Polish fellow with the offbeat name of Władysław the Elbow High, he wanted Poland for himself. And Václav III was having trouble with the whole three kingdom balancing act. So he decided he would give up Hungary entirely and just focus on Bohemian lands and Poland. The next lawful heir was Charles of Anjou, but Václav decided instead to support Otto II of Bavaria, grandson of Bela IV, his grandfather Ottokar II's cousin, which technically makes him Václav's cousin as well. In October 1305, Václav decided he was not going to marry his Elizabeth after all, instead turning his favor to a woman his nobles liked better, Viola of Teschen. He married her and then four days later informed Elizabeth that their marriage was off. Just to confuse matters, Viola then changed her name to Elizabeth after the wedding for some reason. Václav then went to Brno and gave his cousin Otto II of Bavaria the Hungarian crown that his father had stolen from Budapest. Now remember, Václav III was only 16 years old and not terribly mature or experienced. He was surrounded by nobles who flattered him and vied for his favor. He ended up handing out a lot of huge land grants, he chased women, and he drank a lot. Early in 1306, Władysław the Elbow High captured Krakow, so Václav invaded. But before setting out, he decided to clean house a bit, sort of getting rid of a lot of the hangers-on, giving large parts of Poland like Gdansk and Pomorza to Germans who he liked and making his sister's husband, and so his uncle by marriage, Henry the Corinthian, governor, while he was kicking elbow high's butt all around Poland. All of this shuffling of the political pieces on the board annoyed quite a few people, since Henry was Václav's uncle, but by marriage, not blood. He was not a Przemyslid. Henry's wife, Anne, was, but she was a woman, so that doesn't count. On his way to Poland, Václav stopped off in Olomouc. On August 4th, 1306, he was fatally stabbed there by a party or parties unknown. He died, leaving his 15-year-old wife a widow, and she would have a pretty unhappy life until she died at the age of 26. To this day, his murder has never been solved. Václav had no sons. The crown of Bohemia would pass on. The Przemyslid family had ruled Bohemia for at least 436 years, ushering it into the modern age. And yet a member of the Przemyslid family would never again sit on the throne of Bohemia. Henry the Corinthian, round one. Rudolf I and Henry round two. So now Henry the Corinthian was in charge. He was married to a Przemyslid princess but he was German through and through. He'd been involved in a lot of disputes with the Habsburg clan, who were a rising power out of Argau in northern Switzerland, 
and he thought marrying a Przemyslid would help shore up his position. Bohemian nobles elected him as the successor to Václav III, but he would not get a chance to actually be crowned. King Albert I of Germany had wanted to install his son, Rudolf I of Habsburg, on the throne of Bohemia, so he marched on Prague and laid siege to Prague Castle. Greatly outnumbered, Henry had to flee to Bavaria and later to his ancestral lands in southern Austria in Carinthia. This is down where Klagenfurt and Villach are. Rudolf I was put on the throne and technically also ruled Poland now, since the two were tied together. To cement the claim to Poland, Albert instructed Rudolf to marry Václav's widow Elizabeth, who was Polish royalty. But the Czech nobles did not like Rudolf, calling him Kral Kasia, or King Porridge. It's now thought that this was because he was rather famously cheap, as in he'd rather serve porridge than, say, game meat and vegetables because it was less expensive. But he also rather famously had stomach problems, and maybe he just liked plain foods like porridge because his delicate digestive system couldn't handle anything else. Rudolf tried to commandeer the silver mines in Kutnohora, which really angled the Bavor family of Strakonica. They led a rebellion against him. Conflict ensued, and in July 1307, while Rudolf was involved in the siege of Horazdjovica, just northwest of Strakonica, Rudolf suddenly died of a ruptured bowel. So he wasn't a hypochondriac. He really did have stomach problems. The Habsburgs would have to wait another 130 years to get one of theirs ensconced in Bohemia, partly because King Albert of Germany would be killed by his nephew in 1308, which threw the family's ambitions into turmoil. But Rudolf did manage to get himself buried at St. Vitus Cathedral in Prague. He was also, however, never crowned. So now King Porridge is out of the way. Henry could now return, being elected on August 15, 1307. King Albert of Germany was killed the next year, but the new German king, Henry VII of the House of Luxembourg, also wanted Bohemia for himself. It was a very successful kingdom, very powerful, very rich, and very influential, and it was just too good to pass up. He married his oldest son, John, to Václav III's younger sister, another Elizabeth, thus shoring up his claim to Bohemia. He then invaded in October 1307 and captured the city of Prague on December 3rd. Still uncrowned, Henry had to flee again to Carinthia, where he would remain for most of the rest of his life before finally dying in 1335 at Tyrol Castle near Murano in what is now northern Italy in the Alto Adagi. So, Henry's son John was crowned king of Bohemia. Now, technically, he was the son-in-law of Václav II through marriage, but his ascension would cement the House of Luxembourg's position in these lands for quite some time. John the Blind of Luxembourg, 1310 to 1346. John had grown up in Paris, but then he married Václav III's sister Elizabeth when he was 14 years old and she was 18 years old. Elizabeth had had a bit of an eventful life up to her marriage. 
1303, she survived a fire at Prague Castle that killed a lot of people. Her father, Václav II's death two years after that. The mysterious assassination of her brother, Václav III. And a major falling out with Henry the Corinthian and her eldest sister, Anne, who was his wife, because Elizabeth refused to marry who Henry the Corinthian thought she should. Elizabeth was championed by a group of nobles who wanted Henry gone, and so she agreed to marry John of Luxembourg, at least in part because she knew that it would annoy Henry. In 1310, John and Elizabeth got married in Speyer, which is near Heidelberg, and made their way back to Prague with a rather large number of soldiers as protection on the road. John used these soldiers to kick Henry off the throne and then took the throne of Bohemia for himself, thus ending Chamisley's dominance. His coronation was on February 11th, 1311. He was now King of Luxembourg and King of Bohemia. He also had claims to Poland and Hungary, and he was one of the seven prince electors of the Holy Roman Empire. Apparently, when he took over, Prague Castle was in very bad repair and considered pretty uninhabitable, at least for someone of his stature. So John and Elizabeth lived in a house on Old Town Square. It was from there that he set about sorting out the mess in Bohemia that had been going on for the four years since Václav III's murder up in Olomouc. He made a sort of a peace between nobles in Bohemia and Moravia by lessening the power of the crown over both areas, giving them a little bit more autonomy. But the Czech nobles didn't like him. He wasn't Czech. They call him alien. He was out of touch with Czechs and out of touch with Czech interests. And of course, they wanted more power for themselves and even less power for the crown. When John's father died in 1313, two main candidates for the emperorship emerged, Frederick the Fair, fair meaning handsome, of Habsburg, and Louis of Bavaria. John was not a fan of the Habsburgs, so he supported the Bavarian Louis, who became King of the Romans and gave John Silesia, Meissen, Hep, and a little bit of eastern Bavaria called the Upper Palatinate. However, Frederick was a sore loser, as the Habsburgs so often were. And by using some legal trickery, he set himself up as a sort of an anti-king, having himself crowned in Bonn while Louis was crowned in Aachen. So depending on who you talk to, there were two Holy Roman Emperors. John's marriage was also not great. Elizabeth had had this difficult life. She gave birth to a daughter, Margaret, in 1313, and then another girl, Bonne, or Bonnet, in 1315. Remember, this is back when it was widely believed that women somehow determined the gender of the child that she bore, and so John was angry at her for not popping out a son. So with all kinds of difficulties at home, his position in the Holy Roman Empire was not as secure as he would have liked because of the anti-king. Czech nobles didn't particularly like him and his wife, and he quarreled, and he didn't have a son. So he spent a lot of time traveling, leaving much of the day-to-day administration of Bohemia to underlings. In 1316, a son was finally born, Charles. In 1318, a second son, Otto, was born. Now there were two sons. So in 1319, a bunch of the Czech nobles hatched a plot to get rid of John and put three-year-old Charles on the throne instead, who they could then control. But it failed, and John popped back into Bohemia to imprison all of the conspirators. The year after that, Otto, the second son, died at age two. The same year, while he was burying his son, John gave Hradchani by Prague Castle a town charter. John was feeling a little bit paranoid, 
Not really sure who to trust, worried that his son Charles would be used as a weapon against him, he had the boy imprisoned, and he exiled his wife and Charles's mother Elizabeth to Mielnik. In 1322, Elizabeth gave birth to another son, John Henry, who would go on to become Margrave of Moravia and Count of Tyrol. Now that same year, John saw Louis the Bavarian, technically the correct Holy Roman Emperor, getting more and more powerful, and he didn't really like that, so he teamed up with Austria and France to get rid of him. That plot ultimately failed, but through his machinations, he'd managed to get himself enough clout that eventually his son Charles would have a direct claim to the emperorship. But he's still not feeling particularly secure, so the next year in 1323, he sends Charles to France. Elizabeth goes into self-imposed exile in Bavaria, where she gives birth to twin daughters, Anne and Elizabeth. In 1325, wife Elizabeth and baby Anne returned to Bohemia because baby Elizabeth had died. Elizabeth was poor and shunned and in very, very bad health. Now, back in 1312, the Templar Knights had been disbanded, which meant that the Teutonic Knights were now the most powerful order of their type in Europe. In 1326, John, King of Bohemia, supported them in their crusade against the non-Christian Lithuanians and on his way north to help them out, invaded Krakow. This war against the Lithuanians would last for six years, with more battles taking place in the years afterwards. The Lithuanians were not so keen on the whole Christian thing. In 1330, Elizabeth destitute, penniless, and ignored, died of tuberculosis at age 38, having lived a difficult life, the last of the Przemyslid princesses. Now, in 1336, while John was still up in Lithuania, kicking some Lithuanian non-Christian butt, he contracted ophthalmia, which is a rare eye inflammation. This ultimately would end up taking his sight entirely. That is why he is known as John the Blind. The very next year, in 1337, the Hundred Years' War breaks out, a massive conflict over who should get to rule France, the Lancasters of England or the Valois of France. John decides to support Philip VI of France. This conflict would continue until 1453, so actually it was 107 years, all told. Now, during this time, he continued to be a military guy despite his blindness, trying to get more power and more influence, and basically being awfully good on the field. For supporting Philip of France against the Lancasters, he was given the governorship of the Languedoc in France. He got Silesia back under Bohemian control. He incorporated an awful lot of Lombardy and all of Upper Lusatia back into the Bohemian fold. And he fought in military conflicts all over the place in Russia, Hungary, Austria, the Tyrol region of northern Italy, and even fought some battles in England. Now, in order to pay for all these adventures, John taxed Bohemia quite heavily, even though he spent very little time there. It wasn't all take, 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 though. He did okay the building of the Old Town Hall in 1338 on Old Town Square. On August 26th, 1346, John was put in charge of Philip of France's advance guard against the English Edward III's forces at Cressy in northern France. The idea was to ambush the English troops and rout them, possibly ending the conflict. The French attacked with crossbows but were outgunned by Welsh and English longbowmen. The French cavalry then attacked but the ground was muddy. They were charging uphill and there were so many archers on the field that it caused chaos. The English had also dug pits which many of the horses fell into. Hand-to-hand -hand fighting then commenced. 
It was a long and nasty battle, lasting most of the day. When it was all over, the English had lost very few men. Some historians say as few as 40, but most people think it was closer to 300. While the French lost somewhere between 2,000 and 4,000 people, many of them nobles, including King Philip of France's brother. And another one of the fallen was 50-year-old King John the Blind of Bohemia. When it looked like the English were going to win, an aide told John that they needed to retreat. Reportedly, he said, quote, Far be it that the king of Bohemia should run away. Instead, take me to the place where the noise of battle is the loudest, because he was blind. The Lord will be with us. Nothing to fear. Just take good care of my son. With that, he charged into battle, blind, mind you, and was one of the many bodies later recovered. Always a restless soul, not even death could stop John the Blind's wanderings. He was buried at the Old Minster Abbey in Luxembourg, and then his body was moved to the New Minster Abbey in 1553 when the Old Abbey was destroyed during the Italian War in the mid-1540s. At the end of the 18th century, during the French Revolution, the Bosch family of the ceramics company Villeray and Bosch had his remains moved to an attic in their home in Metlach in Germany, near the Luxembourg and French borders. It's unclear as to whether they did this on their own or if they were asked to do so by monks of the Abbey. In 1833, Jean-Francois Bosch, traveling through the Rhineland, met Frederick William IV of Prussia, who would later become king, and during their talks, the Prussian mentioned that he he thought he was related to John the Blind of Bohemia, this great military guy. Wow, what a crazy coincidence, says Jean-Francois, because John the Blind's body is in my family's attic. Would you like to have it? Would he? Of course he would. He had a chapel built on a hill on a rock overlooking the town of Kastelstadt and had a special black marble sarcophagus made. On August 26th, 1838, exactly 492 years after his death, John the Blind's body was interred here. Ah, but he was a Luxemburger, and the Luxemburgers thought that he should be with them. So, in 1945, just near the end of the war in Europe, when it looked like the Nazis were absolutely going to lose once and for all, a covert espionage team of Luxemburger special ops guys infiltrated the crypt in Germany and spirited the body away, placing it in Notre Dame Cathedral in Luxembourg City. He was placed in a new crypt where he still lies today. That crypt bears the inscription, To the greatest and best God, here under the altar is John, King of Bohemia, Count of Luxembourg, the son of the Emperor Henry VII, father of Emperor Charles IV, and grandfather of Emperors Wenceslaus and Sigismund, greatest leader by spirit, died 1340. Though, we actually know now that he died in 1346. All told, John had a pretty busy life. While he treated his wife pretty badly and he was almost universally hated by the Czechs, his line, as that final inscription tells you, would end up becoming quite influential in Europe. And his son, Charles, would go on to be considered the greatest Czech of all time. But that is another story for another episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of Prague Times. If you liked this episode, be sure to like it or share it and tell your friends. Check us out on all of our social media platforms for extra goodies as well. Until next time, this has been Prague Times. <laughs>